Let me ask you a question. Have you ever stuck your foot in your mouth? I, I don't mean literally, um, <laughs> but have you ever said something you just wish you could, you just wish you could take it back? You know, sometimes we learn lessons the hard way. I'm going to be talking about some lessons today, but I heard this true story. I heard the other day about this uh, mission conference they were having, and uh, they had people there from all over the world, and it was a big, big, big event. They were in a huge um, hotel banquet hall that held um, almost 2,000 people, and there were people there from all over the world. And uh, this one preacher was sitting, uh, it was a banquet style, so the preacher was sitting there and and there was a South African brother sitting next to him and enjoying his meal. And, and he was thinking to himself, you know, I'd like to strike up a conversation with this guy, but I, I don't know how to communicate with him. And, and he looked over and he noticed that the guy was just really enjoying his chicken, man. I mean, he was going, he was going to town on a, on a chicken leg there. So he leaned over to him and he said, uh, cluck, cluck, good, huh? And the guy turned his head slightly and said, mm, good. And um, it went on a little while. After, after a while, he finished his meal, and the, and the guy was drinking a cup of coffee. And this preacher leaned over to him and said, uh, slurp, slurp, good, huh? And the guy kind of nodded and said, mm, good. And, uh, and a few minutes later, they started announcing the keynote speaker for the event. And it just so happened that it was a South African guy that this preacher was sitting next to. And uh, he was introduced and got up and gave a profound speech, just, I mean, knocked the stars out. Perfect Oxford English, not a flaw in his English anywhere. And this guy felt so bad. And after the guy had finished his speech he walked up to this preacher and he said blab blab good huh <laughs> sometimes you learn lessons the hard way don't you I, I hope you don't have to learn these the hard way but I, I want to look at um, a few lessons I, actually there, there are four of them I'm going to give you I know you're not supposed to go over three but you're a smart group you're an intelligent group. I can tell you can handle four with no problem at all. So I'm going to give you four lessons out of the early life of David. You know, David's kind of the central figure of your Bible. If you've got a, just a, a Bible that doesn't have concordance at the end and a lot of other helps and stuff, just the 66 books of the Bible, if, if your Bible just kind of falls open, it'll probably fall open to somewhere in Psalms. In fact, there is a chapter and a verse in Psalms that's the absolute center point of your, of your Bible. So the, the main character in that book and the one we always think about when we think of Psalms is David, of course. Uh, he wrote a lot of those psalms, and many of those psalms were written to music. They were, he was kind of the song leader of his day, the songwriter of his day. And um, we think of him in several ways. We think of uh, his feet as a young person when he defeated a giant. We think of him as the sweet psalmist of Israel. We think of him as a musician who played a harp. We think of him as the king of Israel, Israel's greatest king, in fact. Um, and Jesus is going to come and sit on the throne of David in the millennial reign and rule the earth. 
uh, from the throne of David. And David was known as a man after God's own heart. So he's, he's, he's quite a character. He's, he's very dominant in the Old Testament. And so what I want to do this morning is just look at four lessons from his early life. Uh, you know, to, to take the whole life of David would take a long, re really it would be a study that would last for, we could do eight or ten weeks easy just looking at the life of David. But let me just give you uh, a little bit from him. First of all, let me kind of introduce him to you from Scripture where he first comes to prominence. And that's found in 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'll read verse 1 and then I'll drop down to verses 6 through 13. Follow with me if you will. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided myself a king among his sons. So it was when they came, he looked at Elab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I've refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. How many of you are glad for that revelation about your heavenly Father? Isn't that good? And the, the Word tells us right here in 1 Samuel, God doesn't judge people like we do. We look at the outward appearance. God always looks deeper than that. God is looking at the heart. Let's go on. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Samuel said to Jesse, are, are, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is. I think he must have pointed out towards the, the sheepfold. There he is keeping the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he went and brought him in. He was ruddy and bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Wow. Boy, what a, what a day in the life of a family. The prophet of God shows up unexpectedly. The prophet of God says, The Lord sent me to anoint one of your sons to be king. And Jesse brings out his finest, the oldest one first, and goes all the way down through seven. He doesn't, he doesn't think in a million years that it could possibly be the baby of the family. How many baby of the families do we have in here this morning? How many? <laughs> All right. This is for you. God likes to use the one that everybody else overlooks. <laughs> and he does great things with them. Well, God will use anybody that will submit to him. But David, there was just something about his heart and his attitude that attracted the Spirit of God to him. And so David is anointed king. Now, most Bible scholars believe that David was about 15 years old when this happened. Wow. 
I mean, he's just a young teenager. By the way, young folks, God can use you regardless of your age. Don't let anybody despise your youth. That's scripture. But serve the Lord with all your heart. God can anoint you and use you. He did David at 15 years of age. Wow. What, a, what a, an amazing thing in that family. Now, you, you, know, you know the next part of the story. Uh, it, it goes on for a while. David just continues to, to shepherd the sheep for a while until uh, one day his, his daddy sent him to check on his brothers. His brothers had joined the army, Saul's army. Saul was king of Israel at that time. And the Israelites are in a, in a war with the Philistines. And, and uh, David is sent by his father to take some provisions to his brothers who are camped out um, in, in the army uh, quarters facing the Philistines. And so David goes to them. And he happens to arrive about the time of the evening when this great old big giant comes out to mock the armies of Israel and the children of God. You know the story, so I'm going to just run through it real quickly here, at least this part of it. I'm not going to take a lot of time here, but I just want to kind of get you the setup here for David. And, uh, and David hears this, this giant. By the way, when I say giant, I'm talking giant. This guy is like nine foot, nine inches tall. He, uh, his armor weighs 126 pounds. David probably didn't weigh 126 pounds. Remember, this is a 15-year-old kid, maybe 16 or 17 by now. And, and he just kid. Um, and, 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 but, but he hears this giant mocking the God of Israel, and it just infuriates him. And he says to his brothers, what, why don't somebody do something about this? And, of course, his brothers gets all over him and said, you smart, elicky little old guy, you here, you come out here. You just come out here for adventure. You just want to spy on us and see what's going on. You, you, need to, you need to quieten down. You need to keep your mouth shut. But it was too late. Some of the other soldiers had heard David speak, and they got word to Saul and told Saul, there's a, there's a kid out here that's not afraid of that giant. You may be, and everybody else may be, but this kid's not afraid of him. And so Saul calls for him, and David comes for him, and uh, comes to him. And, and of course, you know that uh, Saul tried to put his armor on David, and <laughs> it was too big. By the way, remember, Saul was a big guy. He was head and shoulders taller than anybody in Israel. So he, he was a big guy. Wasn't as big as the giant, but he was a pretty big guy, and, and his armor wouldn't fit David. David, David took that off and said, don't. Don't, don't, don't bother me with that. I'm not afraid of this guy, but let me go with what I'm, what I'm accustomed to, what I'm comfortable with. And so David takes his slingshot and five stones, and he goes out there before Goliath. And you know the story. I love this part of the story. When David goes out in front of that giant, the giant is insulted that a kid like this would come out to him. You can imagine little old David now, like I said, a little teenage guy, um, probably about my height. Um, everybody that's perfect in the Bible is, you know, about, about mine and Pastor Reagan's height. We, uh, God, God rejected Saul, the big tall guy. Keep that in mind now. And I hope you know I'm teasing. Um, anyway. David looks up at this great big guy, nine feet, nine inches tall. And that guy starts making fun of David. 
says, what do you think I am, a dog? Come out, send a kid out here after me. I, I'll, I'll, I'll bash your brains out in just a few minutes. Well, I'll, I'll take care of you and nothing flat. And David looks up. Now, we've just gone through a study on faith. Remember, I took one whole lesson talking about the difference in faith and hope. Hope's always future tense. Faith is now. Now faith is. If you're exercising your faith, you do it now. David doesn't talk about what he's going to do next week, next month, next year. David looks up at that giant without any fear whatsoever. And he said, let me tell you something, big boy. I'm going to take your head off today. <laughs> he couldn't even reach his head. He said, I'm going to take your head off today. And he said, in fact, said, move, move over just a little bit. He said, see that army behind you? I'm going to feed all of those to the buzzards today. Boy, you're talking about faith. That kid had some faith, brother. He walks out there. But, but, but here, here's the key to it. He recognized, he, he called him, he said, you uncircumcised Philistine. What that meant was, I know you don't have a covenant with God, but I know that I have a covenant with God. And I know that you're bigger than me, but I know that God is bigger than you. Amen. That, that, that's the whole essence of that little conversation between David and, and Goliath. And of course, you know the rest of the story. David pulls out his slingshot, puts that stone in there, winds that thing up, lets it go. And the Holy Spirit hit that thing and turned it into a guided missile. And it hit the giant in the only place where he wasn't covered with armor. And that was right between his eyes. And he fell to the ground. Somebody must have yelled, timber, as that big old guy falls to the ground. And then David runs up there and pulls out the giant sword. Because David didn't have a sword. Pulled out his sword, cut his head off. And uh, somebody said, that's the way you get ahead and laugh. He come dragging his head back to the, to the uh, camp of Israel. And the Israelites' army then suddenly had, had boldness. And they went after the Philistines and won the battle that day. Can somebody said, praise the Lord for the victory. Amen. Now, this is a victorious day in all of Israel. I mean, this is a fantastic day. It should have been the highest day of celebration ever. And of all people who should have been glad, it should have been Saul. But triumph turns to tragedy. Because Saul is jealous. Folks, jealousy, according to the scripture, is a rage. And um, Saul, like I said, Saul should have been, he should have celebrated David. But when David came back to the camp of Israel, the women started singing a song. And the song said, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands. And that's what infuriated Saul. He said, they've ascribed thousands to me, but tens of thousands to David. He should have said, yeah, praise the Lord. Thank God for David. He wasn't man enough to handle the giant himself. He should have praised God, for it, but he didn't. Don't ever let jealousy get in your life. It will destroy you. And so Saul then goes on a war path to get David. He tries to kill him. If you, if you look at 1 Samuel 18 and uh, 11, and Saul said, I'll pin him to the wall. And he took his javelin and threw it at David, trying to, David was in the room with him playing his harp at Saul's request. And Saul tried to kill him. Did that a couple times, trying to kill him. 
And then David realized he had to run for his life. And Saul assimilated 3,000 soldiers to go after little David. One guy, 3,000 soldiers after him. How would you like those odds? When you get to the end of the story of Saul, Saul dies in defeat. His sons die in battle with him. Sad, sad day in Israel when that happened. But remember, David was anointed king when he was 15 years old. And so now he will finally ascend to the throne. But it wasn't that easy. There's still some waiting to go. So here are the lessons that I want to give you this morning from the life of David, his early life. There are four of them. Um, first of all, David sought God's will even when the way looked obvious. And I won't, I won't take time to expand on this a lot, but I just want to tell you that, that there was a time when God spoke to David and told him exactly what to do against his enemy. He went, God gave him the victory. He came up against the same enemy, same situation, same scenario, but he sought God again before he advanced. In fact, look at 2 Samuel 2, 1. It happened after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the, any of the cities in Judea or Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. David said, Where shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. He always waited until he heard from God. He, he sought the Lord. He, even when it, when it looked like it was obvious the, the, what the answer would be, he still sought God. Can I, can I say this to you this morning, church? The, the number one thing that all of us should do is seek first. Say the word first. first. Seek first the direction of the Lord before you do anything else. Remember when the Lord Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6? The first thing he told us to ask for, right, right after we give praise to God, he said, you start the prayer by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first thing you pray about, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then you pray about your daily bread. Then you pray about other things. But the first thing you should pray for, the first thing you should pray for when your feet hit the floor every morning is for God's will to be done, for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. Jesus said, if you'll seek first, say it again, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these other things will be taken care of. And in that chapter, he's talking about food, clothing, and shelter, the main necessities of life. He said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, these other things will, will be added to you. David learned that early in life. Always seek God first. Seek God first. Second thing that I want you to see from David's life. Learn this lesson. He maintained respect for the anointing. He maintained respect for the anointing. Remember, it was the anointing of God that brought David to where he was. Let me take you to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 to 37. In fact, this is what David said to Saul. Remember, I'm going to back up here just a little bit. When Saul called David up, when he heard that David said he wasn't afraid of Goliath, and he talked to him about going out and fighting him, here's what David said. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, 
I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. David recognized that it was the anointing of God that had given him victories in the past. And he respected and honored that anointing. That, that anointing. He, he, he didn't go around bragging about, I've killed a lion and a bear. He said, no, the spirit of the God delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. Uh, first of all, I'm telling you, for, for a 15-year-old kid, when a, when a lion came and took a, a, a sheep for him to chase that lion, that had to be some anointing on him. I'll tell you which way I'd be running. If I saw a lion or a bear, you know, unless the same thing happened to me that happened to David, you'd have to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit to go after a lion. And after, after he jerked the, the, the lamb out of the lion's mouth, then he took him by the beard, just grabbed his chin whiskers and whipped him right there. He said, that, that was God. God delivered me from the lion. God delivered me from the bear. And God will deliver me from this Philistine. Always remember that it was the lack of respect for the anointing that cost Saul his throne. That's why God rejected Saul. It wasn't because of his height. Uh, it, no, no, no. It was because he had, Saul had no respect for the anointing of God. You remember that, and you can read it in First Samuel, Samuel 13. I'm not going to take time to, to read those scriptures, but Saul went to a worship service and he was told to wait on the prophet Samuel to come and offer the sacrifice. And because Samuel didn't get there when Saul thought he ought to, he said, I'm king, I'll just do this myself. He had no respect for the anointing that was on, on, on uh, Samuel as a prophet of God and as a judge in Israel. Listen, folks, always respect the anointing of the Lord. I caution people, you, you know, sometimes we can get real careless about who we criticize. Don't, don't criticize what you don't understand. You know, even the disciples came to Jesus one time and said, Jesus, we saw some guys casting out devils in your name. You want us to go rebuke them? Jesus said, whoa, whoa, whoa. If they're not against us, they're for us. You just leave them alone. Folks, be careful about the respect for the anointing. Uh, there's some people I don't understand. There's some people I may disagree with. But I have learned some of my lessons the hard way that it's better to just leave those things to the Lord. He'll work it all out. He'll determine who's right and wrong. Amen. So I thank God, and you've heard me say this many times in this pulpit, I thank God for every church in town that lifts up the name of Jesus and preaches the blood of Jesus. Amen? We may disagree with them on some little doctrinal points or some ways that we do things or whatever. That doesn't matter. If they're lifting up the bloodstained banner of Jesus, I say go for it. Praise God. Now, if they're, 
if there's some of these reprobates that don't believe in the power of the blood of Jesus and they've denied the virgin birth and they don't believe that the Bible's inspired and, and on and on and on. I pray for their preachers too. I pray they get the hiccups on Sunday morning. But uh, no, uh, let, let's be careful that we respect the anointing. By the way, that ought to go to the house of God too. I know that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives in us. That's why we ought to respect one another. Amen? But the place where we come collectively to worship, we ought to honor the house of God. It, it, it shows the character of our respect for the anointing of, of the Lord. David learned that lesson early in life. Third lesson, let me move on. Third lesson I want you to learn today is that we need to leave vengeance to God. David left vengeance to God. David, by the way, could have taken Saul more than once. I'll give you a couple references. In the wilderness of Engadi, when Saul was held up in a cave, David was able to slip in and get so close to Saul that he actually cut off a piece of his robe. Saul was sound asleep. David could have took a sword or a spear and killed Saul right there and taken over the kingdom. But he didn't do it. And by the way, Saul had already been rejected of God by then. But David respected the anointing that was placed on Saul when he was anointed king. And so even though he cut off the piece of the robe, he did it for the purpose of the next morning standing up on the other side of the valley and hollering to Saul and say, look, Saul, I'm not after you to kill you. I don't mean you any harm. I respect you and I honor you as king. I could have taken your life tonight. Here's a piece of your robe that I cut off. There was another time in Hakli when Saul slept in a trench and David and Abishai got so close to Saul that David was able to take his spear and his water bottle his water jug. And uh, same thing, he told him, said, Saul, I'm, I'm not here to hurt you. I, I'll never lift my hand against you. He always respected the anointing of the Lord on the life of his leader. Fourth and final lesson that I want you to get this morning. He was patient in waiting on God's will. Remember I told you that he was anointed king when he was 15 years old? Years have gone by now. Years. And finally, when Saul is dead, they anoint David again. Uh, David was anointed three times. They anoint David king again, but only Judah followed him. Only the tribe of Judah. The others went back and said, no, 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 no. We're going to follow Saul's son. You remember you reading the Bible about the Rehoboam, Jeroboam, and Boam boys, and, and it all went on there to, between them. Some of them followed Rehoboam, but, uh, but God had not set it up to follow in a line of succession from Saul to his sons. God had anointed David to be the king. But most of the tribes of Israel rejected David at first. So David goes on for seven and a half more years. I mean, we've gone now from age 15 to age 30 before, before David finally, finally the rest of them realized that God had rejected Rehoboam. 
and uh, and they they came uh, came together and uh, uh, and and honored David as king. Um, took a long time. Can I say this to you today? Sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes you have to wait. You have to wait on God. Wait on His will. It it it. it here's the natural thing here's here's what all of us want we want to pray today and get an answer from God and we want God to to just speak it out make it clear exactly what our next step should be and where we should go God doesn't always do it that way God doesn't always do it that way I want to say this to you young folks especially as you're seeking God's will for your life learn to be patient and wait on the Lord remember that Remember that Jesus was 30 years old before he began his earthly ministry. 30 years old. He was in training for a long time. He was a son of God. And yet he learned to be a carpenter. He learned, he learned so much from, from his birth all the way to the age of 30 when he began his ministry. And he impacted the world. So be patient as you wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be careful. Seek God's direction. Always seek for his will. Remember, seek him first. Always wait until you know the will of God before you proceed in a, in a particular area. God will lead you. God will guide you. God will direct you if you'll, if you'll give God time. Sometimes it's just a matter of opening doors. And, and it may not be, it may not be the, uh, the final call of God for your life to go from here to there. But, but God will, will direct you through those open doors a step at a time. And just be patient and do what you can where you are and be faithful where you are. David had to remain faithful as a shepherd after he'd been anointed king. David had to be faithful to serve the tribe of Judah while he waited for the rest of Israel to come around for him before he finally became the king of all of Israel. And he was a great king for 40 years. God has a plan for your life, but be patient. Stand with me if you will, please. I want the prayer team and the worship leaders to come. I want to conclude with this verse of scripture today. You know it well. I realize sometimes you get preaching off the cuff and get away from your notes and get things ahead. Rehoboam and Jeroboam, those guys came later after Solomon. They, They weren't the sons of Saul. But the sons of Saul had been rejected as being king. I don't want to leave that out there incorrect. Um, but in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30, verse 31, I want you to get this verse of Scripture. Listen to this. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who do what? Those who wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord. David said in one place, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he heard my cry. He inclined unto me, heard my voice. Lifted me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Set my feet on a solid rock and established my goings. And he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and trust in the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait patiently on the Lord. 
Some of you are going through some stuff right now that you don't understand. You're going through some difficult times. You're dealing with some problems that you, you, you don't know which way to go. I want to tell you this morning, just wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Don't get impatient. Don't try to make it happen yourself. Probably the biggest mistake Abraham made was becoming impatient in the wait. Just wait on the Lord. Serve the Lord. God will help you. He will see you through it. Here's what he promised. If you'll wait on me, he said, I'm going to see that you come out victorious in the end. You're going to mount up with wings like eagles. I'm going to give you the strength to run and not be weary. I'm going to give you the strength to walk and not faint. How many of you could use some of that strength today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's wait on the Lord. We always like to give you an opportunity to pray. You never know what somebody may be dealing with that's just a prayer away from victory. You know, there's power in agreement. The Bible talked about agreeing. If any of two of you shall agree as touching anything, they shall ask, Jesus told us. So we have prayer leaders here that are willing to pray with you and for you. Maybe you want to come and just find a place and pray, just you and God. But in the next few minutes of this service today, we want to give you that opportunity to pray. If you're unsaved, we want to invite you to come and give your heart to Jesus. If you're away from the Lord, we want to invite you to come back to the Lord. We had a marvelous testimony from the first service today. Somebody that the Lord spoke to through our sign out on the road and led her to our church and led her to this service this morning. She found, amen. Give God praise for that. So I'm so glad that we gave an opportunity to pray. And we want to give you that opportunity. If you're away from God, come on home. Come on home. Renew that fellowship with the Lord. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're dealing with one of these areas that I mentioned, these four things that David learned in his early life. Maybe you need to talk to God about that. Maybe you're going through a tough time financially. Maybe you need healing for your body. I, I promise you, every one of these people here this morning believe God for healing. They'll be glad to lay hands on you this morning and agree with you for your healing. We believe God's a healer. Amen. Whatever you need, the altar's open. The next few minutes, while Pastor Steve leads us in a song, those of you that like to pray, just come on. Just move this way. God bless you as you pray.